And here's Hines on the run back, breaking a tackle and taking it past midfield. And down the sideline he goes. This is storybook. An opening kickoff return for Tamar Hamlin. And this place is absolutely going wild. That is how the final Sunday of the NFL regular season actually started with all of America essentially wishing Naeem Hines into the end zone, which gave everybody permission to celebrate, to cry, to believe in in the divine. The idea that not only was DeMar Hamlin going to be all right, but now something eerie was officially happening here too. And a lot of strange stuff has happened in the NFL over these last 48 hours, by the way. Not least because after 18 weeks, we finally have our playoff picture. And so today, we ask Mina Kimes to explain a weekend full of dramatic plot twists and what should happen next. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Monday, January 9th. And this is ESPN Daily. So Mina Kimes, it is now midnight on Monday. And before we get to these two games, these two games that resulted in a lot, a lot that we got to discuss. I do want to lay out uh, the two parts of your identity, I guess, for people who are not all caught up on, on you. Because on the one hand, you are like this deeply rigorous um empirically minded, uh, fair NFL analyst, which is why we have you on the show and why we love talking about football. At the same time, you're a person whose wedding I attended and you wore a Seahawks helmet. Um, And so the last eight hours for you have been what? First, I want to just let people know I didn't wear the helmet like down the aisle or anything like that. So just clarify the picture. There was a helmet at the wedding. Maybe I put it on once, but that's, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's evidence. Um, yeah. It was a pretty insane afternoon um, in small part, in I guess large part actually because of the way the NFL did the schedule, Pablo. Um, going into week 18, we knew that the Seahawks playoff chances depended not only on them beating the Rams, but also the Lions being the Packers. And also that if yes. the Seahawks beat the Rams, the Lions would know they didn't have a shot for the postseason. And so when the NFL decided to put the Lions and the Packers in Sunday night football, um, you know, there was some concern amongst fans that like, well, what are they playing for? Well, folks, the Lions <laughs> are coached by Dan Campbell. They will always play for something. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And honestly, it was just such so much fun to watch that team close out the season in a way that yes. I felt like reflected their identity. I mean, he declared it like one of the great mid-game interviews of all time. He declared that they were going to play this game to win this game because they didn't want the Packers <laughs> to get into the playoffs. How motivated are you guys? Yeah, we just we don't want them to go. So that's our motivation. So we're ready. And I know we'll get to the Seahawks in a second here and all of that, all the personal angles on that for you, but like watching what they did to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, where do you want to start both like the end of the Lions season? Because yeah, they did not make it because your Seahawks beat the Rams, but also they seem to accomplish something that was in its own way, like legitimately meaningful. Well, you know, I think 
for Detroit, this was a really meaningful way to close the season. First of all, it meant that they closed the season with a winning record, which I think is important when you're talking about a team that was going through a rebuild, that came out of the season, uh, losing so many games. I don't think anyone anticipated it would end this way and that it would kind of go on the tear that they did over the last half of the season. So in terms of like establishing a culture, rewarding your fan base, and then making it feel like you're going in the right direction, this was the perfect way to close the season. And it was the perfect way to close the game, as I said, because so many of the things you saw, so many of the reasons why they beat Green Bay were things that the Lions have done all season long. Mm. Um, you know, first, like, for example, the fact that um, after what calling a incredible play um, uh, on second and long, it was that screen and lateral, which just takes... Cojones. So Ben Johnson, who's the Lions offensive coordinator, is likely going to be an NFL head coach very, very soon. Um, so that was extremely cool. Turns into third and three. And then they go for it and they convert. Jared Goff converts. Um, but again, like Pablo, the Lions have gone for it on fourth down more than any other team this season. They've gone for it at the highest rate of any team this season. So it was very them. Mm. Uh, Dan Campbell, um, I think, you know, some of the coaching decisions he made, the game management notably um, declining an offsides penalty so that Matt LaFleur couldn't buy time. These are like, right. steps in the right direction for a guy who at the beginning of his head coaching career wasn't perfect when it came to game management. Uh, and then finally, like the, the, the defense um, ultimately blitzing Rodgers, which hadn't worked for much of the game, uh, but then leaving Kirby Joseph, who's now the bane of his existence back there to get the interception. Pablo, Kirby's picked Aaron Rodgers three times this season. That's never happened in NFL <laughs> Rogers' career. No player has ever done it in a regular season. So it, it was just top to bottom, like a franchise-defining win. And then a franchise-defining post-game interview from Jamal Williams, who, by the way, happened to break Barry Sanders' like Lion single-season touchdown record. And again, I didn't expect to be talking about the Lions this much with you on the last night of the regular <laughs> yeah, season, the honestly. Playoffs, and here we are, because... I mean, Jamal Williams, come on. He's electric. Yeah, I mean, it begins with Jamal Williams crying, literally crying, uh, paying tribute to his his great-grandfather who had just died. You broke Barry Sanders' record. What does that mean to you? Uh, my great-grandfather died on me. I'll just dedicate this to him. I'll just proud. I'll just grateful to do this for him. And then <laughs> there's like a second act in which he establishes that we should probably um, hire him as soon as possible to do our job. Another thing, stop playing us, man. We made, we the Detroit Lions. We the Detroit Lions. Stop playing with us. I don't even watch TV, but I heard everybody already picked, their, picked the Packers over us. Stop playing with us. <laughs> oh, man. It, it's Jamal Williams, you know, like, to have that performance and then have that performance, just the perfect way to end this Lions season. I Just so great. But as to the Rodgers thing, another person whose voice we should, we should mind because he is talking in this press conference right now as we are talking. Uh, and it turns out he is saying that he is not going to take Green Bay hostage. He's going to take time. He's going to take the emotion out of it. But as a matter of performance, like... Where are we with him, Mina? Like, what's realistic to expect after what you just saw over, yeah, this season from him? You know, he, he struggled at times in this game, especially in the fourth quarter. He went two for six for 12 yards, which, um, according to Stats and Info, is actually the fewest passing yards he's ever had in a fourth quarter. 
when he attempts at least five passes. Uh, but over the last part of the season, as the Packers were winning, I actually thought he and the offense looked good, and you saw the defense improving as well. Um, you know, this is a team that had injuries throughout the season, that had rookie wide receivers who were in and out of the lineup and came on, came, came on pretty hot at the end. And it kind of makes me think he's probably going to come back. Um, and I also think, by the way, it would be very hard for the backers to move on from him. So it might end up being a reunion that's mutually beneficial for both sides. Okay, so the fact that the Seahawks now are returning to the playoffs... I mean, the way this happened, the way it ended, the way it almost ended, Jason Myers, your kicker, missing from 46 yards, mm. just doinking it off the right upright. The snap is back. The hold is down. Myers' kick is on the way, and it is off the uprights. No good. What was your reaction when that happened and then as overtime proceeded? Like... 90% of the internet, I thought, ball does not lie when he missed that kick. <laughs> As I'm sure you remember, um, Jalen Ramsey had just been called for hitting Geno Smith, who had scrambled out of bounds. It was not a great call. And uh, in the Rams' yeah. defense, also, there was another not-the-great call, roughing Michael Dixon, their punter, earlier. But... You know, this all Seahawks-Rams games are kind of close and weird, even though this Rams team is obviously a shell of itself in many ways. Uh, and I wasn't surprised that it ended up being close and weird. Like, Geno Smith had some interceptions, some even would-be interceptions, but he also made some big plays with both his arms and his legs. And I thought the Seahawks defense did a decent job of containing Baker Mayfield, who... Uh, you know, he completed 50% of his passes. They sacked him five times. Mm. But, you know, I, I do want to say, like, to end 9-8, and eight, to get into the playoffs, for Geno Smith, in the process, to break Russell Wilson's franchise single-season record for passing <laughs> is incredible when you consider perceptions of this team at the beginning of the season. So, you know, even as they're on their way to probably lose to San Francisco 49ers, it is a pretty amazing job by Coach Pete Carroll and, you know, Gia Smith that they've made it this far. And yeah, also, just for the accounting on all of this too, statistically, he earned a million dollars tonight, Mita, making, mm. yeah, 3.5 in total, all of the guarantees in his contract. Geno Smith, the guy who said, yeah, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back though. Yeah, it seems to be, yeah, celebrating on a bunch of levels. Yeah, it turns out the, the universe wrote him a check back. Well played. Thank you. Well played. <laughs> After the break... We go to Buffalo. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you. 
so the whole emotional roller coaster of today, it is worth noting, as we alluded to at the very top of the show, that all of this really begins in Buffalo. I mean, obviously, the story of DeMar Hamlin, uh, his heart stopping on the field last week in Cincinnati, the fact that we got good news heading into this game. We got DeMar Hamlin awake. We got him alert, communicating with medical staff, with family, with his teammates, on FaceTime, on Twitter now. Um, he's posting. He's, up, he's back online in all of these ways, Mina. And so when the game kicks off and this happens... Fielded at the four by Hines, coming straight up the middle to the 20, cuts it back at the 25, he's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40, 50, down to the 40, 35, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Naheem Hines, 96 yards. What are you thinking? I mean, I got chills, Pablo, and I, I always am nervous to kind of draw too many parallels between things that happen off the field and on the field and, you know, to try to, I guess, tie things up in a bow for like a storybook outcome. But I do think it is undeniable that for the Bills players, hearing that DeMar was conscious and communicating with them, um, it, it affected them deeply. And then to have that immediately, that sort of positive I guess the vibes being so good have that translate immediately into success on the field was especially after right after they had you know honored the medical staff um, and you saw so many tributes yeah. it was a big moment I mean Josh Allen said I can't remember a play that touched me like that he said it was spiritual and I think it's undeniable that the Bills players were feeling that in that moment and um, you know it was a, it was just a really 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 big one for them. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen was saying that like, essentially this is, this is proof that God is real, which is a thing you don't normally hear about special teams. <laughs> um, but here it is, like a kickoff return to open the game. Another one yeah. to help put away the Patriots, by the way. <laughs> the Bills defeating them 35 to 23 to lock up the two seed. I mean, on top of the emotion here, from a, just a football perspective, what did you see here? How do you evaluate a Bills team, Mina, that was the favorite to win the Super Bowl, even ahead of the Chiefs earlier this year, but is obviously still riding, uh, yeah, an emotional whirlwind? Well, that kickoff return touchdown, then the second one, by the way, Naheem Hines became the first player to do that in one game since Leon Washington did, I think 12, 13 years ago. Um, they needed those those touchdowns uh, to win this game and secure right. the second seed and potentially uh, neutral, you know, home field in the if they make it to the AFC Championship because it was a bit of an up and down game for them and it's been a bit of an up and down season. Uh, to your point, they came in as heavy favorites, but along the way, lost a lot of players to injuries. Um, have players coming back from injuries? I think that maybe certain groups that we thought were really deep for them, like wide receiver or you know, the secondary have ended up being not so deep and certainly the pass rush having lost Von Miller. And so the games have been closer. I think this was a Josh Allen performance that was kind of similar to a lot of performances we've seen this season. There was a red zone interception. Mm -hmm. There were some mistakes. He was under pressure a lot, by the way. Um, but then there were also like unbelievable throws. Um, you know, I mean, in, in, again, very Josh Allen fashion. Oh, Mina, the... <laughs> 
there's there's a lot of like if you can't handle me at my red zone interception you don't deserve me at my bomb to stefan diggs for like 40 yards down the sideline i mean good grief you know uh and stefan diggs was incredible in this game but yeah i think they go into this playoffs as a very very good football team but also a pretty flawed one um which you know all of the playoff contenders have flaws but um they're just not quite as dominant, perhaps, as we thought they were at some point. Well, in terms of flawed teams, I mean, we turn now to Miami <laughs> because the collateral damage from this game in Buffalo, yes, it was the Patriots, which then opened the door to the Dolphins, who, to remind people here, had started 8-3, and three, then lost five straight to a tongue of Iloa, concussed again, um, meaning Skylar Thompson, the third-string quarterback, happened to be starting the way the death chart shook out. And yeah, they get the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC. They barely survive the Jets uh, by a score, and this is just gross, of, yeah, 11 to 6. What happened here uh, with the Dolphins? How good could you possibly feel having made the playoffs but like this? Well, it obviously starts with the quarterback position, as you said, and that's going to be the big question all week. Um, there's been no updates on Tua Tungavailoa's medical stat- status, whether he'll return to play you know, for the playoffs at all. It, it, it's all very up in the air. And then there's also a question mark with Teddy Bridgewater, who uh, in, the, in the last week, in week 17, dislocated his pinky finger and you know couldn't throw after that. I think that's a massive injury to monitor because um, I think he gives them a much better chance at competing with Buffalo than Skylar Thompson, who you know, just really wasn't able to do much through the air in this game. I mean, this Miami offense is just night and day from the unstoppable buzzsaw we saw earlier in the season with Tua. <laughs> I mean, neither Jalen Waddle nor Tyree Kill had a catch over 15 yards you know, in this game. And I think... Man, a lot. Some of that is has to do with the fact that you know I think the Jets' defense is very good, and they've been playing really good defenses as of late. It's not just the quarterbacking, but the quarterbacking is also a big deal. Sure. Um, I will say I thought the Miami run game looked a lot better in this one. Uh, they ran for 162 yards over five yards of carry, which is impressive against the Jets. Raheem Mostert was fantastic, just grinding out tough yards and some explosives as well. Um, but it's regardless of who's playing quarterback, I think they're going to go into Buffalo as underdogs. And it does feel like this is a season that had so much potential uh, in even being the seventh seed, but being where they are does feel disappointing. All right, well, coming up, we get to the best seemingly, and at the very least, the cockiest objectively uh, team in the NFL. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. 
Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So here we are. We're, we're, we're at the end of the NFL regular season again where, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs look like the team that everybody should be most afraid of. They're the number one seed in the AFC. They got the bye for the wild card round. They will play the Bills on a neutral field for the AFC title game, as you alluded to before, should they both get there. But the thing about this win against the Raiders on Saturday, Mina, as you saw it, like... <laughs> What are, what are we calling the thing they did? The dance move, the, the orchestration, <laughs> the insult that they levied? I, I believe Patrick Mahomes told Laura Rutledge, who was on the sidelines after the game, that they were calling it the snow globe. Yeah, so we, we call it snow globe because we drew it up during right before Christmas. And uh, we actually practiced it as like kind of messing around. And Coach Reed was like, I like that. Um, for, for, for those who missed it... Um, yeah, please describe. <laughs> uh, at some point in this game, the Chiefs, are, they're near the goal line. They, instead of just, you know, uh, huddling and then walking up to the line of scrimmage, they, they huddle and then they kind of join arms and spin around in a circle for a few seconds before breaking the formation. I want to be very clear in case people missed this. It is literally that. It is, it's like a thing I've seen in TikTok videos uh, in weddings from Europe. What's incredible, if you've ever done that, you know, done ring around the rosy or whatever, you're usually really <laughs> dizzy after. But they managed to pull off a play, which was Jarek McKinnon taking a direct snap. Then he tosses it to Mahomes, who throws it to Tony, Katarius Tony, who's the wide receiver they traded for from the Giants, who scores a touchdown. Unfortunately, the touchdown is nullified by a holding call by their center. But then Tony scores on the next play on a jet sweep, which is just like the perfect encapsulation of the Chiefs. Uh, just... It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. No. Nothing is too weird because they have a brilliant play caller, a bunch of crazy skill players, and of course, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so so wh why do this? <laughs> Just to be uh, sort of pedantic about it, maybe, but like, why are you doing this? Because it's against the Raiders. Are they really just telling teams like, hey, we might do this? Yeah. And you should be afraid of it? Is that well, actually, is there strategy here? I guess it maybe it would have just been too insane to do it in the playoffs. I don't know why I use it now. Um, I mean, <laughs> we should know, like, as you said, this is a must-win game for the Chiefs. They wanted that one seed. They got the one seed. They got the bye. Uh, from a football perspective, they did it to hide the uh, direct snap side of it, to hide the, where Patrick Mahomes was. And if you watch the Raiders, they look totally befuddled watching them, which I, is deeply relatable. Understandable. But yeah, this is Andy Reid, man. He just does stuff. And when it doesn't work, we all scream like our dad's too cute at the television. And then when it works, <laughs> we memify it. But, you know, I mean, you asked about it. The Chiefs look very scared. I think it's worth noting that you know this offense has been an absolute, you know, machine all season, as it always is. 
Uh, but the defense has really come on at, at the end of the season. And I thought in this game, that was actually maybe more notable to me because, um, you know, Jared Stidham had just, who's the Raiders backup quarterback who's been starting for them, had just come off a pretty good performance against San Francisco. And they pressured him on 49% of dropbacks using a standard rush. They sacked him six times. So that bodes well for a potential mm. Chiefs Super Bowl run. Yeah, and Chris Jones about to play in the postseason. Mm. Chris Jones always horrifying in the playoffs. But the team that I didn't expect to see in the postseason, and maybe, you know, I know there are smarter colleagues among us who who had the Jaguars as better than I thought they would be, but I was still, like, I was still smelling Urban Meyer on this team. But here they are. Like, they beat the Titans in the de facto AFC South title game on Saturday night. They have this ultimate Florida man uh, just shred the national anthem on an American flag guitar to start it. <laughs> and then, you know, the game starts. And and what do you see? What do you see, Mina? Because I, I want to celebrate the Jags, but I don't know how much to celebrate given how they played. It was close. And it was not Trevor Lawrence's best game, which is unfortunate, Pablo, because no. he's been really good since the bye. He was really good against this Titans team a few weeks ago. So I thought that the Jags offense would be the reason why they won, but it turned out it was the Jags defense, which I guess isn't entirely surprising because the Titans were playing their backup quarterback, Josh Dobbs, who has like only been with the team for a little over a week or something at this point. Um, but, and then the Titans also had, you know, a lot of injuries on their offensive line. But I, my big takeaway from this game was that the Jags defensive line took over, which also kind of makes sense because yes, Trevor Lawrence was their first overall pick, but they also uh, had the first overall pick last year and took Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Yep. Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen was a very early first round pick and he was incredible in this. The Jacks have been bad for a long time. Let's just put it that way. And they've had a lot of really early draft picks. And I think in this game, you saw those picks pay off uh, on the defensive side of things. Well, you're talking about number one overall picks, and we get now at the end here to what the Texans did to the Bears. And I have, uh, I mean, look, we should say actually that Lovey Smith has officially been fired. So the man who orchestrated this, the head coach of the Texans, now former, um, who orchestrated this defeat. And, and how do you want to explain what happened at the very end here that made, I think, a lot of us laugh and then realize, like, holy shit, this has real consequences? Well, first I'll say one thing about Lovey Smith being fired. Um, this is the second time now in two years that the Texans have gone one and done with a head coach. Um, both Levy Smith and his predecessor, David Culley, are amongst the very few black head coaches in the NFL. Yes. So I think there's a, there's a, it's, a, it's a very questionable look for the organization, not because of their performance, perhaps, but because of the decision to say, all right, well, you're going to come in and we're hiring you and this is what you're going to get this, this length of time, um, which is something right. we see a lot with black head coaches in the NFL. Basically, they're given worse opportunities, Specifically. Um, so I, there's, I think a lot of, I think the Texans organization as a whole is worthy of criticism. Now, that said, Lovey really got to put them in a tough situation <laughs> on the way out. Um, because going into this week, um, and, and you know, it's not his job to tank and certainly not leaving the organization, so I'm not uh, blaming him at all. But the, uh, the Texans went into week 18 with the worst record in the NFL. They had two wins. 
Uh, but they knew that they had to lose this game to hold on to the first overall pick because Chicago was also not playing their starters and Justin Fields in the final game and had a shot at it. Uh, and so, the t- you know, the thought was whether well, playing the Colts, is, but still, we're not a very good team. There's no way they can win. So not only do they win, they win with like a um, crazy drive at the very end of the game that involves a, a fourth and 20 Hail Mary. Davis looking, he scrambles out to the right, got to get rid of it, throws it to the end zone and caught it, Jordan Akins, my goodness, on fourth and 20, Akins with the catch. And then Smith <laughs> makes the decision to go for two, to go for the win, and they do. Um, and so what this means is that the Texans don't have a clean choice at the top of the draft to take a quarterback, whether it's Bryce Young out of Alabama, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Chicago is now in the catbird seat. And uh, as a team with a quarterback, Pablo, that means that that pick could be open for business. So that decision by the Texans, Man. who, you know, the players play to win, the coach is playing to win, they're thrilled after the game. It's it's great for them. But that decision to win is going to change the landscape of the NFL for years and years. And I think we'll look back on it as a pretty remarkable moment. I mean, the fact that the Texans, because they were 3-13-1 and 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 now are in the number two slot because the Bears are just 3-14. and Just, and I I thought that, you know... um, like taking a stapler on the way out of work was like a pretty uh, risque thing to do revenge wise. But Lovey Smith, man, uh, just a, a middle finger that, yeah, changed the NFL. I can only salute this man. And a Bears legend. Mina Kimes, a Seahawks legend who has clearly <laughs> restrained her emotions to provide us rationality. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.